Hey guys, Mubarak Shah, MNA CPA here, and today I want to talk about a very important tax deduction benefit that you can take if you set your business up in the right way when you're looking to do an acquisition. And it can sometimes lead to a $10 million capital gains exclusion uh, and potentially more depending on your investment and, and certain other factors. But that's what we're going to talk about today and kind of get into the granularity as to how it applies, who it applies for. And of course, in your own situation, you obviously want to talk to a tax advisor before making any decisions about going this route. But it is something on the table and something that if you're looking to buy a business, you should absolutely know about. All right. And so what we're going to be talking about today is the qualified small business stock or sometimes it's referred to as section 1202 because um, that's the part of the uh, guidance that talks about it uh, section 1202 walkthrough or qualified small business stock gain exclusion all right and essentially what it is is that it allows stockholders to actually claim a minimum 10 million dollar federal income tax gain exclusion when they sell their qualified small business stock and you have to hold it for more than five years, and I'm going to go into all of the different kind of rules related to it, but it's for C-Corps, and so that's really important to understand that, okay, you need to have that involved in your deal structure, and there's pros and cons that we're going to go into, but I want to have this episode be a resource for founders, a potential venture capitalists, a private equity people on how to position their business activities and investments to qualify for Section 1202 gain, all right, and... It has a number of corporate level and stockholder level eligibility requirements, all of which must be satisfied in order to actually claim the Section 1202 gain exclusion. But it's still something that can really change the game and it's set up in a way that can really, if you if you set your entity structure up correctly, then you, know, you can save $10 million on a, a potential taxes that you would have had to pay on a gain of a sale when you go to sell your company. And so... You know, that's a massive, massive game changer for you from a wealth planning standpoint, retirement planning, and just something important to know. And so um, let's go into some of these the qualifications and also the exclusion so you understand what you need to do. So first of all, the company has to be an active business that's incorporated as a U.S. C-Corp, right? So what I'm talking about applies to the United States. And it must have gross assets, like on its balance sheet, of $50 million or less at all times bef before and after the equity was issued, right? So you can't have a crazy large business. But what this fits perfectly for is search for searchers, traditional searchers, self-funded searchers, people in the lower mid-market. You know, they can really take advantage of this. And we see our clients do that and advise them as well how to kind of structure their deals in this fashion. And so... There are some excluded business types, though, so definitely make sure you understand and review that, that it doesn't apply necessarily to all types of companies. So, for example, if a lot of services companies are unfortunately excluded from being able to do this, so, uh, you know, specifically they say it excludes business types that include companies that perform services related to health, law, engineering, architecture, accounting, actuarial science, performing arts, consulting, right? So you can't really have what would traditionally be an LLC or a partnership and use that type of business because it won't apply for this model, right? And then also it can't be run on 
like a, a personal brand, for example. It can't be used to produce products such as fossil fuels or for hotels, motels, restaurants, and businesses of that nature or a farming business, right? So I do want to get that out there that, hey, listen, unfortunately, if that applies to you, then that is excluded. But it's still just something too massive to not talk about for those who are still interested in acquiring other types of businesses like businesses related to products or software um, and things of that nature because this is massive for those types of industries and could be the difference between you know a minimal gain and a maximum gain and what you walk away with truly after taxes right so the holding requirement is very important right so you have to hold your qsbs eligible stock for at least five years in order to qualify for the tax benefit right so if you hold eligible shares you may be subject to the tax liabilities on the shares if you decide to sell before the holding period so you know just because you set it up right and then you sell your shares five years uh, prior to the five-year mark you're not going to be able to benefit for it but if you do hold for the five-year holding period you can actually exclude almost up to a hundred percent of your capital gains taxes from your federal taxes if you meet the required conditions right um and so again this does assume that in your exit strategy for when you're acquiring the business, you're also planning on selling it on an equity basis. So, I mean, sorry, yeah, like as a stock sale. So definitely keep that in mind. But in, again, in this range of businesses and the size of these businesses, you are probably going to go that route or that should be a potential on the table. And so it could be beneficial to set up your structure in this fashion, you know. And just to kind of lay the foundation, you know, normally – when you're selling your company shares or equity in a company, they're going to be subject to either short-term or long-term capital gains rates, right? So <clears throat> if it's under a year, it's short-term capital gains rates, and those can be as high as 37% or so. Like those are basically taxed at ordinary income rates. And then, you know, long-term capital gains rates can be up to as high as like 20%. And so the QSBS status offers the ability to lock in a 0% capital gains rate for federal tax purposes. And... So that's really, really impressive and can change the game for you if you're trying to plan an exit because you're not going to have to give up, you know, up to 20% or up to 37% of your proceeds to ta federal taxes. Or if you hold for five years, you can actually help, uh, you know, keep that and not have to pay that out in capital gains taxes. So again, the stock, you know, going over the concepts of it the stock has to be acquired from a domestic c corp right so it has to be qsbs uh it has it can only only if it's acquired from a c corp and when it's sold the issuer still needs to be a c corp right so it needs to be the c corp status needs to be maintained from the date of ish issuance to the date of sale so you you can't kind of change the company to an s corp and an s corp cannot issue qsbs at any time so that is something that you have to factor in a lot of times the S Corp ends up being advantageous in certain factors, but it eliminates your ability to get involved or participate in the potential Section 1202 slash QSBS gain exclusion. Um, and then the type of stockholder that is qualifying and claiming the Section 1202 gain exclusion has to be either an individual, a trust, or a pass-through entity. So you cannot be a C Corp holding and you can't be a tax-exempt stockholder or a foreign stockholder, right? So you can't benefit from the Section 1202 gain exclusion if, if you're, you know, a foreign investor or you're not 
either one an individual who is a U.S. citizen or in a trust or in a pass-through entity. So that's how you kind of want to keep that structured. And there's all different types of methods that I'm not necessarily going to talk about here, but you know, there's acquiring QSBS through a Roth IRA, which doesn't necessarily make sense because you know the, you won't be taxed when the stock is sold. So there's different tax advantageous strategies that you can use if you want to use a Roth IRA to invest in QSBS um, and take advantage of that. But that's all of a, on a different topic that I don't want to necessarily cover here because it's more on a you know case by case basis. But the other very important part is that the QSBS must be acquired directly from the corporation for cash, property, or services. So you need to have basis in the shares. It can be anything, right? It could be like a, a fraction of a penny for per share for the founder stock or $1,000 per share. It can be property, like intellectual property contributed by the founders. It can also be non-cash consideration. Um, so you need to have some type of issuance or some type of kind of consideration, right? That you need that is given up in exchange for the stock when you're getting that stock. And it has to be, of course, voting or uh, it, it has to be stock for federal income tax purposes. So it can be voting or non-voting. It can be common or preferred, but it has to be vested, right? So it can't be unvested shares. And as I mentioned before, it has to be held for more than five years and it must be sold, right? So obviously it's going a little difficult to determine whether you're going to have an exit of a stock sale at the end of five plus years when you're buying it. But that is just something to keep in mind that you need to be able to have that set up and that needs to be kind of set in the planning of your entity. And then again, one of the things you need to keep in mind is that because this does apply for manufacturing facilities or uh, manufacturing companies, it, it has to just keep a limit on its aggregate gross assets. So the company's balance sheet cannot go in excess of 50 million at any time prior to or after the issuance of the stock. So it's like a $50 million test. And a lot of the times, though, again, you probably, depending on when you bought into the company, you'll still have an amazing exit if you're going past $50 million, if you bought it when the balance sheet was a lot smaller and you got a good valuation. But in general, for the types of companies, for searchers, for lower middle market acquisitions and business sales, this is a really good kind of part of the entire uh, potential for being able to take advantage of the QSBS or being able to be, you know, fitting under the Section 1202 requirements. So, again, there's there's a lot of rules that are involved, but in general, what this really does is really has to, you know, puts a great um, benefit if you're able to structure your acquisition with a C-Corp where you're acquiring those that stock because, again, you have the mini minimum of a... 10x gain exclusion of either like 10 times the amount of cash or value or investment that you put in or $10 million total ex uh, exclusion for gain triggered by the sale of the particular corporation stock. So it's the greater of the 10 million or the 10 times the amount that you put in. So regardless, the QSBS, of course, this has come into effect after 2010. So you have to make sure that you're purchasing stock after 2010 and that the company stock or so the issuance is after that point but that's just something to keep in mind and there are historical um, implications that if you're acquiring QSBS originally issued prior to 2010 there are limitations like a 75% gain exclusion or 50% gain exclusion but QSBS planning in connection with an M&A sale process 
is super critical and it should be definitely factored in with any tax planning because you know if you're buying into the shares of a company and a c-corp and then you're holding that and your plan is to exit after five years then you need to make sure that you have it done appropriately in this manner and you can get that um that acquisition benefits now for buyers of course Buyers generally prefer asset acquisitions because you get the step up in basis and the future goodwill amortization and, you know, uh, you can get the stockholder to maybe roll over some equity. But in this scenario, you have to understand that there is a special type of rollover or special type of structure you need to set up because now you're going from what would be usually favorable from a buyer of an asset sale and now you're going into a stock sale. So that's definitely something to keep in mind and so hopefully that was a good kind of overall summary there are certain kind of other implications that you know what qualifies as a stock redemption right things that you need to kind of take a look at that if you're selling shares to other people and related parties and anti-churning rules but overall i wanted this to just be a high level discussion on the potential benefits of qsbs and section 1202 and why okay, there might be another conversation to have than just always going for the asset sale because you could potentially set this up in a way where you're able to benefit and get this $10 million tax exclusion. So hope that makes sense. As always, if you do have any more questions, feel free to reach out to us. You know, we make this content for you guys. So you can text us at 516-417-4941 or you can email us at mshaw at msllc.com. And you can see that in the description as well. But hope to hear from you guys soon. And I'll see you guys next time. Take care.